0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Fantastic, fantastic. We are wrapping up this series called Yearbook. Everybody say Yearbook. And this has been a fun way for us to reflect on where we've been as a church over the last 25 years. I hope you uh, enjoyed that celebration last Sunday night. Wasn't that fun? Oh, I had so much fun. God is just so good to us. And uh, man, it just fueled my heart for the next 25. Excited as we are to have such a rich history. I'm just pumped about our future as a church and where we're going. And it is good to see all these young people here. You know, Pastor David said that you were lacking in sleep. And so if you fall asleep this afternoon, I'm just going to let you rest because, you know, it's been a long weekend, right? Yeah, but nobody's going to fall asleep, right? Come on, I want to know. Anybody fired up from weekend retreat? (laughs) You know, there was a lot of adrenaline this weekend. Luke chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 4. In this final installment of yearbook, I want to give you some uh, uh, superlatives. We're going to talk about most likely to succeed. Most likely to succeed. What's cool is in a yearbook, one of the fun parts of it is some of the superlatives, you know, like most athletic or most outgoing. How many of you got a superlative when you were in high school? Any class clowns in the house? a few of us the most likely to you know I I went to public school um, up until the ninth grade and then when my parents moved us here to Baton Rouge then I went to a Christian school so we didn't have like the the most likely twos we had awards like the Barnabas award and the Timothy award and which I'm thankful for that I'm just glad I didn't get the Judas award come on somebody I didn't get the Ananias and Sapphira award there's some awards you don't want to get um, but superlatives, I thought it'd be a fun way to introduce this idea, this topic today, going through some HPC ministry team superlatives. Okay. I want to hand out a few superlatives and this is an incomplete list. Obviously there are dozens of ministries and a lot of teams and, uh, you know, that work so hard, but, uh, we thought we'd have fun with a few of them this morning. Uh, see if you can guess w- who we're talking about here. This first one, most likely to own stock in diapers and goldfish most likely to own stock in diapers and goldfish is none other than the nursery team can i have a good amen aren't you thankful for that nursery team oh yeah some of you dropping them babies off and saying bye and then you get about 90 minutes of sanity and then you go back and you pick up your kids so what about this most likely to secretly judge your overly complicated coffee order would none other than be the cafe team? Come on, how many love our cafe team? We all need a little Jesus, one cup of it, one cup at a time, right? Uh, let's see this next one. Most likely to know if you're practicing the fruit of patience. How many would guess the parking team? Oh yes, Lord! Don't you thank God for those men in orange? Yeah, you, you, you come to church and, man, in here you're feeling Jesus and feeling all good and the Spirit of God. And then and you get in your car, you run into the devil out in the parking lot. Come on. Thank God for our parking team. What about this? Most likely to have evidence of you sleeping during the sermon. It would be none other than our video team. Yes, indeed. And there's a camera right there, the watchful eye, keeping eye, especially on this section uh, right here. It's funny that pastor can see people sleeping too. Um, What about this? Most likely to know that you're 20 minutes late to service. That would be our ushers, ladies and gentlemen. Don't worry, they'll help you find a seat, even if it's the third song of the worship set. We'll get you in. I like that. What what about this? Most likely to see you without you seeing them. These are our service ninjas. They're the security team. Security. Look, there's, you can't see me. There's no photo there. Security, security. Uh, What about this? Most likely to get into heaven. Who's most likely to get get into heaven? That would be our prayer partners. How many of you appreciate our prayer partners, our men and women who faithfully pray over every need? Thank God for them. Check this out. Most likely to be mistaken for the paparazzi. That would be our photography team. Uh, That's cool. Check this out. Most likely to give their offering in shine instead of dollars. Everybody say, God bless the kids team. Thank God for the kids team, kids district. This is fun. Most likely to keep a bottle of hand sanitizer in their pocket. Oh, yeah. It's the greeters. How many love our greeting team? Man, they're my favorites. Oh, I want to be a greeter when I grow up. I, I love it. I love it. Hey, welcome. Welcome to Healing Place. Welcome to Healing Place. Oh, you're first-time guest? Oh, praise God. Praise God. Hey, this is a great environment. We love. We don't judge. We don't judge. You got how many kids? Oh, five kids. Oh, wow. Oh, we just love kids. We love kids are a blessing from the Lord. Oh, where are you from? Alabama. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Right. Oh, Well, we love Alabama too. They need Jesus. And then last, I think we've worked our way through our list. Uh, Again, incomplete list. Not all the ministries or teams, but I thought this was kind of interesting too. Most likely to cry twice in one service. That would be me. Yes, that that, that would be me. (laughs) And that picture is the funniest because I just look angry. (sighs) Um, you know, if if we talk about most likely to succeed, if heaven were to give a superlative most likely to succeed, I think that would go to the church. You know, Jesus wants his church to be successful. Jesus said upon this rock, I will build what my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God wants his church to be prevailing. God wants his church to be successful, and so if we could sum up in a word, and this is a word that we prayed about over 21 days of prayer and fasting. I felt God drop this word in my spirit back in December, but I wanted to set this up as our word uh, for 2018. For this year as a church, I want to talk to you about favor. Everybody say favor. You know, God wants to give us favor. He wants the church to succeed. God wants your marriage to succeed. He wants your family to succeed. He wants you to be prosperous and successful in your business. Uh, I mean, don't apologize for the ambition to be great or do great things. Can I have a better amen? amen? You know, and honestly, as it relates to this particular word, I felt a little cautious up front You know, you say favor, and just because you decree something and declare something doesn't necessarily mean that it's so. Now, when God decrees something and when he declares something, then heaven and earth can pass away, but God's word will never change. You know, but sometimes when it comes to favor, maybe we've seen the misuse or the abuse of that concept. And so I was always raised in such a way where, you know, I was warned against the dangers of wanting too much. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, your parents try to, you know, keep you from being selfish or being greedy or being materialistic. And, you know, so I was I grew up with this this uh, real conscious thought of, you know, don't be selfish in this thing. Don't, Don't ask for too much. Don't want too much. In fact, I can remember going, you know, visiting my grandparents. And I love all you grandparents. Thank you for spoiling us. Mom and dad discipline us, but you grandparents, you spoil us rotten. And my grandparents, my Pawpaw and my Mimi, they'd take us to the, the little five and dime down the road. We'd walk in and, you know, I'd, I'd see little trinkets or toys. And my first question is, uh, Mimi, does this cost too much? But Pawpaw, is, is, this, is this too much? I mean, I wanted it, but I didn't want to ask for too much. And so I grew up with the warnings of, of the dangers of asking for too much. But what about the dangers of expecting too little? What about in the kingdom of God? Does it insult God when we expect too little? We've always been warned of asking too much. But what about living with such small faith that, well, God, you possibly couldn't. I don't want to bother. Surely I'm not all the fuss. Listen, if God would send Jesus to die on a cross, I mean, God literally would bankrupt heaven to place value on you. What makes you think that you can ask God for too much? You know, don't make God small. And that's one of the things that I, in studying and preparing for this, I was warned. I felt that in my spirit that we we shouldn't be reluctant to believe God for what his word says we can walk in. In fact, I thought of the story. I heard this years ago, but a father and his son walked into this grocery store and the owner comes up and tells the little boy, says, listen, see that basket of candy? Reach in there and get you a handful of candy. Whatever you can grab in one scoop, it's yours for free. Well, he thought the little boy would be excited about that. Well, his eyes kind of lit up, but he didn't move. And he was looking at his dad like, dad, is this Okay. And so the the owner said again, boy, reach in there. It's free. If you can scoop in there and get it with your hand, whatever candy you can get in your hand, it's yours for free. Well, again, the boy didn't move. And so the owner was a little confused and asked his dad, well, is it okay? Does he like candy? I've never met a little boy who wouldn't like candy, especially when it's free. Well, then the little boy asked the owner, he said, I don't want to scoop it out, but could you scoop it out for me? You see, the little boy knew that his hands were small, but the hands of the owner were so much bigger, and if he's getting one handful for free, he'd just prefer that the owner scoop it out than himself. Can I have a better amen? You see, I believe that God's hands are bigger than mine, and I believe that God's plans are bigger than mine, and I'm just convinced that this year, God's wanting to scoop out some things for us. Can I have a better amen? And so when it comes to favor, don't limit God. Don't insult a big God with a small expectation. I would rather have a big dream and only live half of it than a small dream and experience all of it. You see, favor is a big deal to God. And I wanna give you the biblical breakdown of what favor looks like. Have you noticed that there's a big difference between doing something with favor and then trying something without favor? How many know that if you try to do something without the favor of God, it creates frustration? Try to do something in your own strength, something you really want and you're trying to accomplish, but if the smile of God, if the kiss of heaven is not on it, it's just labor. It is tedious. It is painful. But if you do something with the favor of God, his favor makes all the difference in the world. Can I tell you, favor will open doors that no man can shut. Favor will get you into rooms and will seat you at tables that you got no business being at. You ever been in a room in a meeting with some of these high levels and you're thinking, man, how in the world did I get up in here? You know, you're thinking if they only knew about me, I'm the least qualified in the room. And yet God says, well, wait, wait. you got this thing all wrong. If all of them only knew about me, you're the most qualified person in the room. Somebody say favor. Favor opens doors. Favor gets you into rooms. Favor will put you at the table. Favor will cause men who want to say no, it'll make them say yes. You're applying for something. You're trying to get something. And man, maybe you don't have the resume or the math doesn't work out right. And there's no logical reason for them to say yes. They intend on saying no, but the favor of God on you makes them say yes. I don't know why I'm doing this, but here we go. And you're like, thank you, Lord. That's favor. Favor will take a difficult assignment and cause you to do that difficult assignment with ease. You'll do it with a holy ease. Some of you at work, some of you at school, you have difficult assignments in front of you, but when the favor of God is on you, you just kind of flow through it effortlessly. Can I have a better amen? Look at Luke chapter 4. We're going to dissect what the scripture has to say about favor and get a new understanding and why God wants this for his people. Luke chapter 4, starting with verse 16. The Bible says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath. And stood up to read the scriptures. Now, let me stop right here and say this because as I'm reading, my mind is taking me back several months when, uh, in November when, when I went to the Holy Land. We stopped in Nazareth, Jesus' hometown. And we were in this particular synagogue. Most scholars believe this is the Luke chapter 4 synagogue. And so we read this portion of Scripture standing in the synagogue in Nazareth. I can still see those walls. And in my mind, I can see the place being filled with people. And Jesus about to do what he does. Look at verse 17. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to Jesus. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where this was written and he's reading out of Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Mm mm I feel the Holy Ghost. Anytime you're committed to the poor, God'll put the Holy Spirit on you. He'll give you what you need to do what he loves. Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And watch this, verse 19, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Can I have a good amen? The time of the Lord's favor is here. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant and sat down all eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them and he said, this scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled before your very eyes this day. Now here's why this is so significant. Because 2000 years ago, people understood what was called the year of jubilee. How many heard that phrase before? The year of jubilee. Jubilee meaning joy and happiness. Every seven years, then the, every, the, the, the seven sevens, 49, on the 50th year, Israel understood the year of jubilee, which meant several things. If you owed a debt during the 50th year, the year of jubilee, that debt was canceled. If you had forfeited profit, property that you couldn't pay for and it had been leased out to others in the 50th year that property would come back to your ownership. Not only was your debt canceled, not only was your property returned, but if you had become a slave because of of the debts that you couldn't pay, then during the year of jubilee all slaves were released. So think about these three things. Debt is canceled, Property is returned and slaves are set free. The year of Jubilee. Jesus says, today, this scripture is fulfilled before your very eyes. What's he saying? He's saying, you don't have to wait 50 years for favor. He's saying, because I'm here, you can live in favor every single day. Do you receive that? Do you see how important that is? Because where the presence of Jesus is, the favor of God will dwell. Is not Jesus heaven's favorite? Who is favored by God? When Jesus was baptized in Matthew chapter 3, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What was he bestowing? Favor upon his son. Wherever Jesus is, the favor of God abounds. Can I have a good amen? Amen. Jesus said before you this day, the scripture is fulfilled. Now, let me give you three thoughts to help bring balance to this idea of favor. And I want to see... I want, I want you to see what favor requires of us. The first thing, if you're taking notes, and in fact, when, when you leave today, I, I, want you to, I want you to leave with one of these little handouts, okay? At each one of these exits and at our guest services, there's a little handout, on, and on one side it says favor. On the other side, it has the, the scripture in Luke, and then these three points that I'm about to give you today. If you're taking notes, write down the first point. Number one, obedience. Everybody say obedience, You see, favor requires us to walk in obedience before the Lord. Obedience, let me say it this way. Let me say it this way. Obedience will position you for God's favor. And if that's true, then disobedience will move you out of position. You see, I I believe that God has certain things. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose for your life. He wants to give you everything you need to walk in the fullness of that. But if you're not walking in obedience to the Lord, you're not gonna be in position to receive what God wants to give. Nod your head if that makes sense. Okay, don't fall asleep. Elbow your neighbor and say he's talking to you. Don't fall asleep. How many of you want favor on your life? Man, then we've got to do what the Lord says to do. Parents, how many of you it blesses you when you tell your children to do something and they they don't sash you? They don't question you. They don't make excuses, but they do it once you say to get it done. Does that not bless you? Okay, now mom and dad, if your kids are obeying what you ask of them, doesn't that, wanna, doesn't that motivate you to just want to bless them? Okay, if you and me, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does our heavenly father want to give good things to us? obedience it doesn't earn favor because favor can't be earned favor is given but obedience positions us to receive favor and, and here's the example I want to leave in John chapter 2 Jesus is invited to a wedding now there are a few scenarios that create such pressure and expectation as a wedding I was at a wedding yesterday and I was reminded that all the fairy tale dreams of this young lady, everything that she has dreamed about, thank you, Disney, and all the expectations that go into that, now it's held in the hand of the pastor. Don't mess this one up. You know. But think about this, this couple's getting married and Jesus makes the invitation list. Now this is before Jesus had performed any miracle. He was just, the carpenter, did a little teaching, had a little following. And this couple, when they're putting their invite list together, thinking, you know what? Let's invite that guy, Jesus. You know, he made my, my uncle a table. He's a really nice guy. Why don't we invite him and some of his friends? Sure. So Jesus, I love that about the Lord. I love that. You can be religious. You can be holy. You can be pure and not be weird. Can I have a good amen? Just cool to hang out with. Jesus gets the invite, and man, you know, a Jewish wedding. Now, this was in the, the village of Cana, maybe 250, 300 people. Small little gathering, but everybody shows up. This couple's getting married, and the, the wedding was a big deal, but the reception was even more important, if you understand anything about Jewish weddings and, and celebrations. And so here they are at the reception, and, and people tell Mary, the mother of Jesus, oh, wait a second, I got some bad news. We've run out of wine. And so... Jesus, or Mary goes to Jesus and tells him, Hey, there's a problem here. And Jesus is like, Hey, woman, what does that have to do with me? My time hasn't come just yet. You know, now think about it. This couple is on the brink of embarrassment. Watch this. They had miscalculated their need. Aren't you glad the grace of God makes up for where we lack? And to save them the shame, the the disgrace, and the embarrassment of running out. Look at what happens. Mary tells the servants, look at this. This is a great verse in John 2, verse 5. But Mary, his mother, told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Everybody say "Obedience." obedience. Obedience is doing whatever Jesus tells you to do. Can I give you the best advice you will ever hear? Do whatever he tells you to do. I know you can get advice from friends, from co-workers, from students, from other people, but what is Jesus telling you to do? Do that. So the servants go to Jesus, and Jesus says, take six water pots, those large jars over there that are used for washing your hands and getting clean, fill them up with water. Then scoop out a little cup of that, and bring it to the master of ceremonies. Now listen, they were just instructed, do whatever Jesus tells you. Can I tell you, sometimes obeying God doesn't make any sense. You're gonna have to obey God even when it doesn't make sense to you, even when it seems illogical or irrational. Think about it, you're a servant. You've put water in these six jars. They're 30-gallon jars, there's six of them. That's 180 gallons of H2O. Scoop out a little. I can just see in my mind this servant saying, uh, I got a cup of water. There's a cup of water. Here's a cup of water. Cup of water. Cup of water. Cup of water. Gives it to the master. It's a cup of water right there. Cup of oh, Lord. Oh, wow. Cup of water. And the guy takes a little sip. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, wait just a minute. Announcement. Announcement. And he calls the groom over. He says, listen, normally at a reception, you serve the good stuff up front. And then once everybody's had a little something, something, then you just bring out whatever and nobody cares, but you have saved the best for last. Can I tell you what's on the other side of your obedience? God has saved the best for last. When you obey God, it positions you for favor. Anytime you read about wine in the Bible, it's symbolic of joy. And I believe that as we obey God, there is a joy that we can walk in. Come on, somebody. Obedience will position you for favor. Let let me say it this way in as most simplistic terms as I can. Believers, this is for all believers here now. I'm not talking about salvation. You've already been saved, but I want you to hear this. When you obey God, your life is blessed. When you disobey God, your life is a mess. It's as simple as that. And if we want to walk in blessings, then we position ourselves in obedience. Number one is obedience. Number two, I want you to write down the word responsibility. Everybody say responsibility. If obedience positions us for favor, now listen, responsibility will help grow what God has given us. The scripture says, To whom much is given, much is required. You want favor on your life? Then you've got to walk in a level of responsibility. There is a stewardship responsibility that favor will demand of us. Can I have a good amen? You see, if God has blessed us, then we have a responsibility to produce fruit. Now, let me show you how these two ideas come together. Favor and responsibility. Watch this in Genesis 39, the story of Joseph. Let me read this to you. I know it's going to take just a little bit, but follow with me. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Now, wait, wait, wait. Don't don't rush on to the next verse. Joseph was a Hebrew sold into slavery, dropped off in Egypt, and now he's working for a guy named Potiphar. He's in a bad set of circumstances. How in the world can favor be on you when you're in a bad place? Listen, you may not be in a good place, but it doesn't mean that God can't make good things happen to you. Don't let your circumstances be an indication of whether or not you're walking in favor. Because sometimes bad things will be happening all around you, but God can still put favor on the inside of you. Here Joseph is, he's in serving in Potiphar's house. The Bible says, verse three, Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him what? Success, most likely to succeed. He gave Joseph success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. Somebody say responsibility. From that day forward, Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property. The Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. Let me stop right here and say this. Some of you are working a secular job and God is blessing the business, not because of the boss, but because of you. The favor of God on your house is able to bless that business. And just like Joseph, he was serving Potiphar, but Potiphar was blessed, not because Potiphar was godly, but because Joseph had the favor of the Lord. Listen to this. All of his household affairs ran smoothly. His crops and his livestock, they flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food he was going to eat. Holly thinks that's pretty cool. Toughest decision you got to make is what's for lunch. Man, Potiphar didn't have a worry in the world. Why? Because Joseph had favor on his life. Now, many of you know the story of Joseph. He goes from Potiphar's house. He's framed. He's falsely accused, and he's thrown into prison. But watch this, verse 21 But the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. The Lord made Joseph a what? A favorite. He was favorites with the warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge. There's that word responsibility again. He's in charge of all the prisoners and everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Please hear me. Circumstances are not an accurate measure of favor. Just because your circumstances aren't good doesn't mean that God can't be good to you in it. Sometimes we feel like, well, bad things are happening. I must not have favor. No, I'm telling you, even in the midst of bad things, God can cause you to walk in favor and cause everything that you touch to be blessed. Do you know that as as it relates to Denim Springs, can I tell you, it it was our plan to be in Denim, launching that campus a year and a half, two years ago. That was our plan, our timeline. When we purchased that property, and what's cool is by the the grace of God and through the generosity of this church, we we were able to purchase that property and that building and pay cash for it no debt whatsoever. The build out has been based on cash. As cash has come in, we've been able to build it it out. We'll open those doors and we'll owe no man a debt of anything except for love. Can I have a good amen? But do you know, I was so frustrated that we were not in that space. And I thought, God, I was complaining. I know nobody's ever complained. Nobody ever has. but your pastor was a toothache in the mouth of God for about six months. Lord, why? I don't under, one delay after another delay and project was slowed down. And man, what are we gonna do? And man, all this time I'm like, oh, we're supposed to be in it. And then the flood hit in 2016. Now, what if we had moved in when I thought we should have? We would have had a beautiful sanctuary six feet underwater. But God knew in his sovereignty no, no, no. You don't need to have church. You need to be the church. And so that very space we used as a warehouse to provide help and hope and healing to those that needed it. Can I tell you, even in a bad situation, God can give you favor. Now, here's what I want to challenge you because some of you, you're from the area. Some of you from Livingston Parish or you live off of O'Neill Lane or over in that area. I want to encourage you to be a part of the miracle that God is doing in Denham Springs. You can sign up today. You can send a text to that number on the screen and say, you know what, let me be, how can I be a part of what God is doing there? Because there's been massive, massive investment to whom much is given, much is required. I just believe that when we open the doors on on March the 25th, that that's gonna mark a new season, not just for this church, but for Livingston parish and we'll walk in. And as difficult as those circumstances may have been, God says, my favor is upon this house. Somebody say obedience. Somebody say responsibility. Now the third word I want you to write down, write down the word others. Somebody say others, others. And this is a key component. This is critical. Okay. This is the final thought I want to give you. And of all the things we talk about, this may be one of the most important, but I want you to hear this. The favor on you is not just for you the favor on your life is not just for your life I think it's important that we get this because sometimes when we think favor then we have big ideas about us and our stuff and our situation and our circumstances but God says I'm going to bless you but it's not just for you isn't that what God told Abraham In Genesis 12, he said, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great and you're going to be a blessing to the nations of the world. You see, if you're praying for favor and it's only for selfish reasons, I think favor will always escape you. But if you're praying for favor and you're using that favor to serve others, I think favor will chase you down. I think favor will fall in your lap. I think you, you, from one experience to the next, because it's about others. It's about Lord, bless me, favor me, so that I can be a blessing to the world around me. Proverbs thirteen twenty one. The Bible says, "Trouble chases the sinner, but blessings chase the righteous." When we're a church that's committed to serve others, I think we will be met with favor every step of the way it doesn't mean things are going to be perfect it doesn't even mean things will be easy you may find yourself in potiphar's house or in prison but there, the lord will be with you and will cause everything that you do to be blessed why not so that the attention can be on us we, we, we don't walk in favor to say look at me we walk in favor to say look at him look at him it's got to be about others favor is about others you know you can't talk about favor without referring to the story of Esther Esther was a little Jewish girl in a foreign kingdom the Persians and there was a decree that was sent out by the king that all the Jews would be annihilated and here Esther is this young girl they didn't know her identity or nationality But here she's Jewish and her people are threatened to be totally exterminated. She had to make a decision if she was gonna present herself to the king because a whole nation was at stake. Her uncle Mordecai came to her and he said these words in Esther 414 and these are famous words and you've heard this, but I want you to see this verse in a new light. Mordecai told Esther, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. Now, stop right there just for a second. What was Mordecai telling Esther? Listen, God already intends on saving his people. God's going to put favor on somebody. His plan is going to move forward with or without you. How many of you want to be in that plan? Lord, if you're going to put favor on somebody, why not me? God was going to do it, but he wanted Esther to be a part of it. God's going to bring deliverance from some other place. Now, you and your people will die, but who can say that you were brought to the kingdom for such a time as this? I'm saying, Lord, if you're going to give favor to somebody, why not me? Why not here? Why not now? God's got favor. How many believe God has enough favor for you? The assignment that's on your life, it will require the favor of God to accomplish. But I promise you this, if we commit to obey, do whatever the Lord tells you to do. If he's he's saying that $20 in your pocket you need to give to that single mom, please don't disobey God. Don't forfeit favor over $20. $20. If he's saying you need to reconcile to a a friend or a family member, some of you this afternoon need to pick up the phone and call somebody. You need to have lunch or coffee with somebody. Do whatever God's saying to do. Obedience will position you for favor. When God starts to bless you, take responsibility with it. Be responsible. Steward well what God's given you. But for God's sake, use that favor to help somebody else. Obedience, responsibility. And others, I, I feel if, if we commit to these things, then the favor of God will follow us everywhere we go. Do you believe that? You know, let me let this final thing, and then I'm going to pray over you. But I wanted to take Vision Sunday to give you an update on 320 offering. We all of November we talked about it. In December we gave toward it, and many of you you gave sacrificially, you gave generously. Man, God spoke to you and you obeyed what he was telling you and, and you gave. And the, the, the sum total of all that's been given for 320, I want you to hear how good God is. The sum total of our 320 offering for this year was $697, and 72 cents. Come on, don't patty cake, put your hands together. That's the goodness of God. Now, here's the good news. Here's what I want you to know. Ain't nobody getting rich off that stuff. All 697, 111, 72 cent, all of it is going to help somebody else. Uh, Everything we did during holiday outreach, you heard from Pastor Dick Flores and what's happening in Spain and what we're going to do at LSU. Every dime of every dollar is going to be used to serve others. I pray, I pray that we would continue to be that church. Obey God this year. Take responsibility, but we will serve others like Christ. And the favor of God will follow us. Do you receive that? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.